Good morning. I'm on. How are you all? I'm going to start by asking you a couple of questions. Is that all right? Yes. The first question is this. Do you feel that making disciples is something Jesus desires for you to do? You don't have to answer out loud. Do you feel that making disciples is something Jesus desires for you to do? Second question. Do you feel making disciples is something that Jesus requires you to do? We're in a series called Making Disciples. And over the last four weeks, we've been looking at that great commission, which is Jesus sending us out to make disciples. Now, the answers to those two questions are very different. The same answer, but the consequence of those questions is very different. I think it's easy for us to answer that first question, do you think Jesus desires us to make disciples? I don't think you can read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, those books about Jesus or any of the Bible without thinking the answer to that is yes. I think we would all answer that as yes. The second question feels a little bit more difficult to answer. Do you think Jesus requires you to make disciples? Now, I don't think the answer is hard to come across. I think that's yes. But the consequence of answering yes is drastically different to the first one. Because if I'm a follower of Jesus and I answer yes to that, that Jesus requires me to make disciples, the outcome of that really has to reorient my life. It changes my priority. It changes my plans. It means sacrifice. It means moving out of my comfort zone. And so I think what we end up doing when we get asked that question, we come up with all sorts of excuses for the answer to be no in our own circumstance. We talk about the journeys that we're on. We talk about how we're introverts. We talk about how it's uncomfortable. And if anything, if we answer yes, we say making disciples is actually just discipling people in our comfort zone, in our church situation. Today I'm going to share a few thoughts and then a story. And then I'm going to commission you as disciple makers. Now the verse we've been reading, it's going to be on the screen This is a different translation, the NIV. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." Now, the context to this verse, so often when I would share, I would talk about context when I'm reading verses in the Bible, just in my quiet time, I would look at context. I would look at a chapter or two beforehand and what was Jesus saying or what was this being spoken of and what was the context or who was he talking to? Now, instead of going back a chapter or two, we're going to go three years back in this journey. So Jesus is 30 years of old, 30 years of old age. He's 30, okay? He's 30. We got that? I'm still waking up. He's 30. And what happens is he starts his public ministry. And so Jesus goes off and he finds 12 different people and he invites them to follow him, to be his disciple. If you invite someone to be your disciple, you are saying, I'm going to disciple you. Now, what's interesting about what, who Jesus chose is he chose very ordinary people if anything less than ordinary. 
So someone like Peter, who was this um, probably politically incorrect type person, he was a fisherman and that tradie type person, he wasn't the one that you would expect Jesus to choose. And then someone else he chose, which was Matthew, a tax collector, which is one of the most rejected people in Jewish culture. That's who Jesus chose. What that means is that I think we would all probably pass. But if anything, the leaders in the church here, I'm not sure Jesus would choose us. See, what was really interesting about the people that that Jesus chose is that there were people that weren't very good at Bible study. They weren't good at learning the Torah. They weren't good um, memorizers of Scripture. They didn't have any future in that space. See, if you did well at Jewish school, which boys would do, they would then go and go on to become Pharisees and Sadducees, these religious people that people looked up to. So if anything, what we can understand is that Jesus deliberately didn't choose them. He wanted them to learn from him and not for him to have to course correct their life. So Jesus then spends three years training them. Now, Jesus didn't go and start a Bible school. He didn't get out the books and say, come to class each day and learn these things and go home. He wasn't really teaching them to memorize scripture. Now, Jesus, in his form of discipleship, was a life-on-life discipleship. Jesus would model a life he wanted them to live, show them what that looked like. And so for Jesus, he invites them in to do the journey with him. And so he would take them on his outings He would share information with them. He would allow them to ask questions. He would be out um, healing or preaching. And he would just invite them to do the journey with him. And what happened through that journey is they got to understand what it meant to be a follower of Jesus through the way that he lived his life and through the words that he spoke. Jesus didn't want them to become book smart people. He wanted them to live a life that modeled him. And so Jesus does that, and he starts giving them permission to step out. He starts saying, hey, you do this. And as they would do that, they would ask questions, and eventually it gets to the point that Jesus actually sends them out. So he sends out these 72 people, two by two, and they go to different regions, and they're preaching the gospel, and they're healing the sick. And what happened in that moment, he didn't send them out and say, see you later. He then brings them back and they get to ask questions and they say to Jesus, this was amazing, we saw this happen and we we saw that happen, but this, this area, this didn't work for us, Jesus, and that works for you. And so what was the difference here, Jesus? How can we learn from you through this practice that we were stepping out on? And then Jesus, what he does is he goes um, to the cross, he dies for our sins, we become worthy to stand before the Father, and then he comes back for 40 days. Now, in those 40 days... There's a number of times he appeared to them, and then he brings us to this verse, which is the very last thing after three years of life-on-life discipleship, that he then says this to him, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, that I've shown you, that I've put into practice, teaching them to obey all of that. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So when we're talking about making disciples, let's not overcomplicate it. It's what Jesus did. 
It's life on life. It's demonstration. It's not about book smarts. It's about modeling a life that represents Jesus and inviting others to do that journey with you. We're going to talk more about that. Jesus made it easy for us. He said, follow me and make disciples. Follow me and make disciples. But somehow over the years, what we've done, we've turned following Jesus into attending church. That's what we do as believers. That's what 95, 99, maybe 99.9% of us as Christians, we think following Jesus is following a church and attending church every now and then. And we think making disciples is the Bible study. Now, I'm not, I'm not removing that aspect of discipleship. But the intention of this verse is to go. Jesus didn't say, hey, stay, huddle with your friends and let's build each other up. Now, that's an important part of discipleship. But it wasn't the intention of this verse. He said to go and make disciples, that his life would be modelled by them and they would go. They would go to their street, they would go to their neighbourhood, to their city, they go to their nation. It says here, Make disciples of all nations, which is extend from where you are in your severe sphere of influence and keep going further and further afield to eventually every tribe and tongue gets to know the name of Jesus through someone that took the time to model a life that Jesus represented. Transformation of our life is so important that we can model Jesus better, but not being transformed is no excuse for not making disciples. Because the commitment is that Jesus is with us. And so as I go out representing Jesus, I'm hoping they get the aspects of Jesus in me and not the flawed parts of who I am. I'm trusting Jesus. He says as you go, the commitment he is with you. Now the last section of that verse ends with a promise. And as you go, surely I am with you. Surely I am with you. Now that commitment that Jesus says that surely he is with us, that's tied to those first three things. It's tied to make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey, and surely I am with you. It's like this mass formula. Make disciples, plus baptize them, plus teach them to obey, equals the commitment that he is with us. I'm not saying he's not with us, I wonder if our, let me get the words right, I wonder if our sense of who he is, our experience of him would be far greater if we actually went and we actually went and made disciples and we actually went to bring people into relationship with him through our lives and we baptise them and we teach them to obey. I wonder if we've had far more encounters face-to-face with Jesus if we actually stood on this promise and went. I don't think that's, Jesus, I think we have, ultimately come so comfortable in churches that making disciples, we subset down to those in the church. We don't want to become uncomfortable. We don't want it to be inconvenient. It says in Matthew 16, 24, it's up on the screen. Sorry, Nigel, I added the extra slide in. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. 
It's confronting a verse like that because it recognises how far we've got to go as just followers of Jesus. I know there's areas of my life that I haven't denied myself where I'd stayed in comfort, where I still stay in comfort. I know there is more. I know there is the next step to go to. Because we don't have persecution here, we get to stay in comfort. If we had persecution, we'd be forced to decide, are we really followers of Jesus? And if that means... I'm back. Yes. Remember to cut that out of the footage. As a disciple of Jesus, it's a life-for-life transaction. It's denying myself for his life. Jesus gave his life for me. In return, I give my life for him. We have to stop settling in comfort. I'm talking to myself at the same time. I'm not perfect at this. Denying ourselves is denying my plans for his. It's denying my goals for his, denying my desires for his. And part of giving my life over to him is responding in obedience to what he asked. I love what the verse that Jess shared last week, if you would love me, then you obey my commands. It's confronting. Like, let's, let's not skip over the confronting nature of the truth. The truth is supposed to transform us. And when we read a verse like that, that says, if you love me, then you obey my commands. And we realize there's so many commands that we're not obeying. But we still profess to love him, don't we? We come to a comfy service and we worship and we say we love you, Jesus. And then we go about our week pretty much ignoring him. Where he doesn't become our priority and our own goals and dreams and desires. And I think as we um, lay those goals and dreams and desires in front of Jesus and we deny them, often he gets us to pick them back up again. But the goal is to deny ourselves first and allow him to choose which we collect back up. It's life for life. It's not tacking him on to the odd Sunday. It's a 24-7 commitment to his purpose and to his disciple of making disciples. I wish I could offer you a casual membership into the following Jesus Club. Who loved one of those? Who's had one of those? Cool. It's confronting, isn't it? I think we have that often. We feel like we can take him when we feel like it. Or we get this full-time membership like we do with gyms, and then we rarely go. We rarely go before Jesus. We rarely see him. We rarely respond to him. As Christian churches, I think for too long we have been selling the casual membership because we want to make following Jesus comfortable for people. We don't speak the truth. We say, come along to church every now and then. And that's what we've done for so long that it's become the culture that that's what following Jesus looks like. It looks like the casual membership, but there's nothing in Scripture that talks about that. It's an all or nothing. I remember there's a passage in Revelations and It's been written to the church and he says, you're neither hot nor cold, I'd rather spit you out. I wonder what Jesus would say about us. Hmm. I did 30 years of following Jesus through following a church. I have a lot of experience in this area. 
I get it. 30, Jesus of, 30 years of following Jesus through following church and just making disciples of those that I was already comfortable with, already connected with, those that choose to come under and learn from me or those that I would choose to come under. It doesn't work. It doesn't produce transformed disciples. It doesn't make new disciples. Following a church doesn't. Following Jesus does. If we're speaking about following a church, the moment there is fence or disagreement, the moment they don't play the song that I like, it's the moment I unfollow the church and therefore inadvertently I've unfollowed Jesus. I was in a church. I loved God through service. The moment I went on a trip overseas for four months and I wasn't attending church, I had no relationship with Jesus. It completely disappeared. I realized I was following a church and I was doing what I was told, but I realized I wasn't following Jesus. Something has to change. I need to change. We need to change. I'm beginning to realize that the life-on-life discipleship that Jesus modeled, that he demonstrated, is a far costlier but a far better way to create followers of Jesus. I want to share one of those stories with you. Now, I have a friend. For the sake of the illustration, let's call him Michael. (laughs) Some of you laughing know who that is. I've got permission to share this story. Now, uh, I just honour you for letting me share this story. We get to share the journey that we had together. Now, Michael came to the crew about two years ago now. I think just over two years. I was scrolling back through my messages, seeing how long I knew him for. I think it was February two years ago. And Michael came to the crew like most come to the crew. So as a volunteer, most come to the crew to try and find some sort of purpose. Now, let me preface all of this with, this is my perspective, not Michael's perspective. His might be different. This is what my perspective is. So I, I, from getting to know Michael and others... Most come finding some purpose. They're wanting some sort of fulfillment. So by giving back, maybe things haven't gone well in their life and they're not feeling great and they're feeling that coming and giving back is a way to find purpose, to feel better about yourself, to make a difference in others. 95% at least do that. And the majority are non-Christians. Okay? So they come, they serve, they feel good about themselves. Now, that's the basis for what most people come. Ultimately, I'd love for people to get to the point where, as a follower of Jesus, they come because they just want to give rather than wanting to receive something from it. But we take everyone, and they are a blessing to us. And so Michael comes, and he starts serving. Now, I love that God sends just the right people at just the right time. And so he sends Michael, and he's a carpenter by trade, And there's lots going on. We've got this furniture team and um, upcycling furniture. And so he slots into this role helping upskill people. And he just gave and gave and gave. And and then he starts renovating our building. So if you go down there, you see the marvelous work that has been done there. That is all Michael's work. And so what has happened is that... So Michael was there probably two, three days a week, maybe sometimes four, and he feels good about himself when he is there. He's expressed it. The reason he's there, he feels good about himself, not just because he's making a difference in others' lives, but he's hanging around Sam and I, and for Sam and I, our plan was 
that we hope we did well was to model Jesus in that community, to accept people as they are, to come alongside them, to encourage them, to uplift them, to call out the gold in them, to be there when things aren't going well. That was my experience with Michael. So I was there going alongside him, and what we ended up finding is Michael is hilarious. If you get to know him, he's hilarious. And he has the most incredible impersonation of voices that I've heard before. And so for Sam and I going through some difficult uh, conversations with our guests and hearing their stories, to have Michael there was the joy that we needed to give us longevity in that space. Someone to laugh with and to have fun with. And so he was just, again, another godsend to have him in that space. Michael wasn't interested in Jesus. He didn't know he was interested in Jesus that was inside of us, and that's why he felt good. He said he feels good when he was around us, and so he wanted to be around us more. And so fast forward probably six months. We start talking about getting fit. Okay, so both of us, we weren't walking out, we start talking about getting fit. It was great desire and very little action. <laughs> I was the great desire. I was happy with the great desire. Michael was unhappy with the lack of action, okay? <laughs> and so eventually I'm like, well, I honestly wasn't that concerned with getting fit. I was concerned with being a friend to my friend. And it's like, cool, I can do that. To me, that's what discipleship looks like. It's being there to around someone that I can rub off on. And also, I found as I was going out, working out a couple of times a week down at the beachfront, I just ended up finding this great friend. He made a difference in my life. What happens in that is that um, I think that's the whole Jesus being with us part of making disciples, is that he actually he is there transforming us as he is transforming them. And so this great friendship starts, to be honest, probably getting him Jesus became a sub-issue. I just wanted to hang out with my friends and have a great time. And I knew eventually um, he would find Jesus if I just kept living a life that modelled Jesus. So we're now probably a year into working out. Michael then started, he came one week Sorry if I've got this wrong. He comes one week and he starts talking about wanting to start a charity. See, he sees the, the outward perspective of the fulfillment we get in helping people and what happens in a charity. He looks at the, I guess, the hope that we have and the joy that we have, and he connected that to starting a charity and being in a charity. It's really Jesus. It's not, it's not the, the opportunity or the charity. So he starts asking questions about that. And so I start getting to say why we do what we do. He's asking questions like, why don't we just keep giving and how can we love on people like that and how can we sacrifice for that? And I start just talking about, hey, that's like we feel what Jesus has done for us. That's our response to that. And he starts asking questions about, at the time we were raising money for Lilia Haven and we talked about how much the church, um, Paradox Church, had given and how much others were giving into this. And he was blown away that people would give of themselves and give money towards something that they weren't actually seeing, getting to experience the fruit from firsthand. They weren't getting anything out of it. It was purely sacrifice. 
And so we talk a bit more, and we ended up talking for about an hour after this workout, which is highly unusual. So normally, it's, we'd be talking as we're working out, and then we'd finish up and we go home. So we ended up talking for an hour, and I came home just really encouraged that God was doing something in his life. We then arranged to have coffee. The first time we'd ever got together for something other than working out or serving at the crew. The first time we got together just to have a conversation. And so we go to Dome, and we're having a conversation, we're talking more about it, and I find I just get to start, Michael's hungry. He's hungry to find the hope that we have. And so he starts asking questions, and I get to share the full gospel with him. It doesn't matter who we are and what we've done. See, I think Michael thinks, um, Michael had some challenges mental health-wise, and probably didn't think very highly himself and went through some hard times. And so for him, the barrier to Jesus was how he felt about his life. And I got to share that it doesn't matter what we do, it doesn't matter what we've done, we could never earn our place with Jesus. It doesn't matter if we're really good, we're still never good enough to earn our place with Jesus. And that's why Jesus went to the cross and that's why he died. And he invites us just to receive that. And as we receive that, we become worthy before him. I shared in very ordinary language. I didn't over-spiritualize. I didn't use all these theological words or sanctification or things like that. I just talked in very ordinary language. And amongst a whole stack of words that were spoken on the night, I remember these few words distinctly. He said, I need that. And like, I felt like I was um, sitting above the conversation. It was a really weird feeling. So I'm having the conversation with him, but I felt like I was sitting in, observing, saying, what is going on here? Someone that wasn't interested in Jesus, all of a sudden, he wants him. It was a suddenly, that was a year and a half in the making. A suddenly, that was a year and a half in the making. It wasn't all of a sudden... Now, it's easy for us to go out and make disciples and to say, hey, do you want Jesus? Hey, do you want Jesus? And they're not interested and you go. Jesus didn't model that. He modeled transformation through life on life. And eventually they take that place and they start walking as a follower of Jesus all by themselves. I find out afterwards, Michael went home and gave his life to Jesus. Not from me. He just knew that was the next step. And then starts the next part of the discipleship journey. It didn't change. I was discipling Michael for a year and a half up to that point. He didn't realize that. Because I was discipling him through me being Jesus. Through love on him, encouraging him, modeling Jesus' attributes. And so what happens is that um, we then start discipleship. Now, I had learnt that following Jesus is not the way to do it. Sorry, following the church. Let's get it right. <laughs> I'll get this quote in the... <laughs> That's right. That can be like the Instagram reel. <laughs> following the church is not the way to do it. Because the moment you get offence with church, the moment you're unhappy, is the moment you leave. And so I was keen to get him Jesus, straight from the source. And so I encourage him to start reading the Bible... Now, he's got the most incredible memory. And so what would happen is every week we were meeting up at Dome and he would just be 
spitting out these scriptures here, there and everywhere. I wish I had his memory. And so he's just like hungry. He's learning. He's getting Jesus and he's experiencing him. And then he starts hearing the Holy Spirit. I felt like I was trying to keep up with him because he was going far quicker than what I thought a disciple should. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, I'm, like, I'm just trying to catch up and answer his questions. And then he's like hearing the Holy Spirit and it's giving him direction. It's like, I haven't taught you that. But he's, <laughs> but he's got Jesus. And so I remember, so I was keen to get him to follow Jesus, not follow the church. Ultimately, if we model our life, that people want to live. Eventually, they want to come to church because they want to hang out where other followers of Jesus hang out. And then they come here and they get encouraged and equipped. They get to worship and then they get sent out because the purpose of Sunday, that's not the goal. That's the start that sends us out into the world to go and make disciples. And so I remember him, he was at, um, I'm sure I'm comfortable saying this. I'm sure you'd approve of this. He was at a cafe. So he's just hanging out at a cafe uh, who's been to Pengo's and had a meal from Michael? None of you. There you go. So Michael's at Pengo's having a coffee. He would often go down and do any book work or things like that. And he hears from Holy Spirit to go and ask if they've got a job. Brand new Christian, haven't taught him this. He just hears from Holy Spirit. And so he goes and asks if they've got a job and they've been trying to find someone for ages and they basically offer him a job on the spot and he's been there since. Now, Michael gets what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I think three weeks ago, we are out there on the grass after the service. I think we just started the discipleship series. And he says, I get it. You're discipling me. I'm discipling this person and this person in my workplace. These are two non-Christians. One's this crazy spiritual person, but, G- but Michael recognises that him bringing Jesus into that environment changes it, and he's being an impact on them. He just gets it. Another time, a couple of months into his journey, we approached him to do some pay, to have a role up doing landscaping stuff up here, and he said, I thought you might ask me that, but that's not what Jesus would want. He wants me to be out there being a light in the community, not hiding out at church. That's what Jesus modelled. If we get rid of our context of cultural church, we will be in that same place. If we purely read what Jesus asked of us, we will be in that same place. That's what he asked of us, that we would make disciples of all nations, every tribe and tongue. And that starts, I think the other side of that equation that we have done is inadvertently we've put disciple-making in the nations as that for missionaries, to go to the nations. And so for us as followers in church, we come to church or we send people to the other side of the world. But going to the nations was about going to your neighbour just as much. It was about spreading it. And then Jesus, another um, verse, he says you would go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, something like that. He's gradually increasing that sphere to which we go. But he's not calling us to go to the nations if we're not discipling those around us and those we're in relationship with. I see so much to gain for the kingdom if we would start actually doing what Jesus did. Living a life, Now, we just talked about the Freedom Ministries Centre. 
you know, your transformation is your responsibility. Let's not put this off to await for the miracle to happen, that all of a sudden all my mess is gone. It takes action. It takes decision-making. It takes going and getting the difference. Now, the Holy Spirit ultimately does the work in you through your action, through your obedience. A lot of the things that Jesus said as a follower of him were things that you and I can put into place right now. We don't need an encounter with the Holy Spirit to change some of our behaviors. Now, if you've got a blockage to that, then get some prayer ministry. But a lot of it's just us pulling our big girl pants up and making those choices to actually go and do those changes and to make those things and talk to people nicer and to take that pause before we react to people. A lot of the things in transformation is our choice. But don't let it stop you from being out there. But also, as you're out there, live a life that Jesus modeled as best as you can. Jesus is the answer, not the church. You are the answer, not the church. The world is going to walk into the church. The world is not going to walk into the church, but every day, the church is walking into the world. The church is you and I. Let's not make the focus to try and get people into this building. Let's get out of the building and take Jesus with us. The question I challenge you with is this. Are you going to take Jesus with you? Your choice. Are you going to take him with you? Can I get you to hand out those cards, please, Brad? <laughs> Sign in blood before we go that we're going to take him with us. These are discipleship cards. So we're sort of wrapping up this verse part of this Multiply series. These cards are for you to write five names on it. Now, it's easy for you to take this home, put it in your purse or your wallet and forget about it. I challenge you, by the end of today, write five names on that. Those five are people you're committing to pray for. And I'm going to go more than what this card says. This card says to pray for them, they receive salvation. I'm going to say prayer without action is pretty pointless. That you get to carry Jesus with you. You get to be Jesus. So aside from praying for someone, you need to be intentional through your action, through spending time, through your behavior, through your interaction, through your encouragement. For them to get Jesus through the way that you model him in your life. The impact that my life, that Jesus had through my life on Michael is through proximity. It's not through praying from a distance. Now prayer makes a difference, but you are the difference between them finding Jesus and not finding Jesus. And that takes action. So you're going to take this home. You're going to commit to putting five names on this. By the end of the evening, you cannot go to sleep unless you put five names on this. And Jesus will back me up, I reckon. So if you have a sleepless night, ah, oh, supposed to have five names on that. As we end today, I'm going to commission you 
Uh, go for it. The Holy Spirit is going to play through Andy's fingers. As we end, I'm going to commission you as followers of Jesus to go and make disciples. Now, what I'm going to do in a minute, I'm going to invite you to stand. As I invite you to stand and I'm praying, I want you to do a prophetic act. A prophetic act is something that we can do physically that has a spiritual significance. So as I'm praying, I'm going to ask that you step forward just, just where you are. Just take that little step forward. And it's saying, knowing I'm making this choice. I'm going to step forward. I'm going to make making disciples part of my mission. It's not complicated. As you heard with my journey with Michael, it wasn't some theological training that I do or don't have. It wasn't a ministry school I've been to. It wasn't my time as a pastor. Jesus did far more than I could have ever done. He was the one that made the difference. I just needed to show up. So I invite you to stand. First, I'm going to pray a prayer of repentance because I think we've disqualified ourselves from making disciples. I know Jess did it last week and we're going to do it again this week. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. We receive that forgiveness right now. We receive that forgiveness and we are completely right before you. And we thank you that every day we can come before you and ask for that forgiveness. I thank you that we're not disqualified. I thank you that as you chose the least to be your disciples, you also choose us. That we are enough. And so right now we repent for those times where we haven't seen ourselves as you see us, where we haven't responded in love through obedience. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your forgiveness where we follow the church instead of following you. Where we put our offense in people onto you. And we say you are worthy of our sacrifice. You are worthy of changing our plans. You are worthy of our greatest desires. That making disciples was the mission that you gave us and we receive that. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come right now that you would baptize us afresh. We receive you. We receive the fullness of you, Holy Spirit, right now. We receive you in power, in courage, in strength. We choose not to settle. We choose not to stay in comfort. We choose to step forward. I just encourage you to step forward right now. We step forward and we take the responsibility upon us. As a follower of Jesus, we take that responsibility upon us and we say we are going to change our priorities. We're going to use Sundays as a launching pad into our week that we would go and make disciples. So right now, everyone here, those listening online, as followers of Jesus, I commission you. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus as a follower of Jesus. 
that you would go. Go, go, go and make disciples of all nations, that you would baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you would teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded you. And surely Jesus is with you to the very end of the age. Jesus, I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that it's not on our effort, that it's not a weight upon us, that it is a freedom we get to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we get to carry Jesus with us, that we get to make a difference through our lives. I just wash off those feelings that you are not enough. I wash off the feelings that your past disqualifies you from representing Jesus. There is nothing in heaven and on earth. There is nothing you could have done or will do that would disqualify you from carrying Jesus with you. He has chosen you. He has appointed you and He has anointed you to be a carrier of Himself that you would go, that you would represent Him well, that you would see miracle signs and wonders. But even when you're not seeing that, that your life would be the miracle, that your life would transform, that just like it was with me and Michael, that there was nothing miraculous that happened, but there was just Jesus that got to be modelled and oozed out of me. I pray that that would be the place for each person here, that they would no longer settle, they would no longer stay in comfort, but they'd actually step out and make in a difference. So I declare that you are followers of Jesus, that you are making disciples, and this city and this nation and the world is changing through your actions. And so Jesus, we just bless you. We glorify you. You are worthy of our sacrifice. You are worthy of the cost of being your disciples. And Jesus, we choose to deny ourselves. We take up the cross. That is the thing that we lay before us, the, the price, the sacrifice. And we say you are worth that sacrifice. And we choose to follow you and take you. So Jesus, we bless you. We honour you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We place you as Lord over our life. We place you as Lord over our family. We place you as Lord over those five names that we're going to write down. We place you as Lord and Redeemer and Saviour of those five people. And we thank you that you're going to go before us and inside of us and behind us, that we're going to do this with you. And so we glorify you as the King over our city and over our nation. We glorify you as the King over the addicts, over the rejects, over the broken, over those that are in, stuck in failure or in burnout. We place you as king over them. And we thank you that you're going to redeem every life from the rich to the poor and everything in between, that they are going to call on your name and declare that you are great. And Jesus, we choose to take up our role and to be that difference in those that we know and those we come across. We choose to take you with us to be that difference. So we bless you, Jesus. And I just pray that you would bless each person here, that as they walk, you would be with them. As they make disciples, you would be with them. That as they baptize people, that you would be with them. That as they teach people to obey, that you would be with them. We claim that promise and we thank you for the privileges to carry your name and to represent you to this world. So I pray for God's blessing over you, that you would experience that this week as you go. As you go, you would experience the blessing that is to know Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are the difference. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.